It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, I, I don't know there's have there's been a more challenging time facing people of faith in the modern era than now. Got religious values that are under siege in everything from traditional views on marriage and gender to school curriculum to health and well-being to legal cases that threaten to criminalize many of the beliefs that 20 years ago were accepted as normal. Now, add to that a pandemic still looming and now a war in Eastern Europe as Russia invades Ukraine in a conflict that has no purpose other than global dominance. It's the kind of clash that most people under the age of 50 or 60 thought, you know, really was just behind us. Under this cloud, the National Religious Broadcasters will meet next week in Nashville for its annual convention, or I should say this week as it will, this will air um, pretty much um, right at the start of it. The NRB convention is the world's largest gathering of Christian communicators. It's called the premier conference for Christians who work on radio, TV, film, church, media, uh, digital marketing. Um, I'm going to be speaking there myself. Um, But the NRB itself is actually an international association of Christian communicators working to protect the free speech rights of, of members, equipping them, advocating for them, and encouraging them. It has members all over the globe, including Ukraine, which is now under siege, and that has become a big concern for the NRB. But here to talk about the focus of the convention um, under such trying times is the CEO of the NRB, Troy Miller. Welcome, Troy. How are you doing? Thank you. I appreciate being on the show today. I'm doing well. I really think, I I don't know, maybe it's just me feeling this way, but I feel like there is a pall of of angst that is in the midst of this convention because of so many issues that are going on in Christian world. How do you feel? Well, I do agree with that. Um, I don't know that we've lived in a more trying time, and at least in our lifetimes, we may look back at some of the things our parents or grandparents went through. But we just have, as you started off in your introduction, there just a litany of issues going on. We're still in a global pandemic, and now we have a war raging across uh, Eastern Europe, uh, a number of challenges uh, here abroad with freedoms, freedom of speech, and even on this continent and things going on in Canada, our neighbor to the north. So we definitely are in a very challenging time. Now, before we get to all the other kind of challenging times, I want to focus on Ukraine right now because, you know, as we speak, you know, the bombs are going off and you have radio partners um, and uh, TV partners in the the area. And I just uh, looked at the uh, Far East Broadcasting Company's website um, and it's giving live updates where it says it's giving live updates, but there are no more live updates since like four days ago. And I worry about that. Do you know what the condition is for them right now? Well, we don't know the actual condition for them right now, but we've been in communication with our partners there at Far East Broadcasting and a number of other uh, folks at Trans, not only Trans World Radio, but CBN, 
uh, and Media Alliance. And it's not good. We can tell you that, that communications are, are not good. People are sheltering. Uh, people are in grave danger as this war continues to march from city to city. Um, some of our broadcasters we've heard now have been taken offline. Their radio uh, programs and stations are not broadcasting uh, messages there. So it is a it is a dreadful situation in Ukraine. How do they keep going? Because one of the posts I saw was a woman saying she still had faith in Christ and still preaching the gospel to people, even in bunkers, that this is the most crucial time. Well, the hope of the gospel is what keeps us really all going. I mean, if we look at the Christians in Ukraine today, they're um, under uh, great persecution now or great suffering, at least as this war is continuing to go through. But it's that hope in Christ and that God's ultimately in charge and ultimately sovereign all of this. And we have that hope looking forward to that day when there will be no more wars, no more pain, no more suffering. And that's what people need today. We just we're missing hope everywhere. And it's really encouraging to see that. um, played out in Ukraine when people are in such, such dire uh, conditions. Um, The other members that are there, uh, are they all off the air or are there some that are actually continuing to broadcast or or is there ability to pre-record something and then email it or how, how can they get their word out? Yeah, a lot of it now is folks that are pre-recording things and they're uh, emailing them. Um, it was uh, so good that the internet came back online there. Uh, Elon Musk uh, brought the Starlink system up, and so that's helped to get some of the information in and out of the country. We don't know. We're still it, it's spotty. Uh, our members are still trying to get word to see how many of their stations or how many of their partners are on there. And and but we also work with a number of orphanages, a number of schools, and and the situation really is. Uh, very scary. Yeah, I was very fascinated though with the uh, the the um, the Far East Broadcasting Company. They produced a 24 minute radio program called Voices from Ukraine, and it's something that every station now can access. I think by on as of March 4th, they can access this and put it on the air. How helpful do you hope that's going to be? Yeah, we do. And you can go to the nrb.org website and there's a link for any station that would like to get access to that. We've done a story on it there, but we really help hope that this will bring the cause of the Ukrainian people and particularly the Ukrainian church uh, to the forefront. We're really calling, we called yesterday with Media Alliance and a number of other partners for a, a full day of 24 hours of prayer, praying for the church there, praying for the people in Ukraine. Uh, we know that as this war moves on, as that is it, is it comes to an end or comes to maybe a ceasefire, there's going to be a lot of humanitarian aid needed. And Christian churches, Christian organizations are often the first in these kind of situations to step up and be out to help people. How many Christians are there in Ukraine? Um, I think that because it's part of the old Soviet bloc, People don't think of it as a Christian country. So Ukraine, the dominant uh, religion in Ukraine is the Russian Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox uh, religion. And there's a very large population that that adheres to that. Um, We also have about a 2% or more growing population of evangelicals um, and Catholics in there. So our work, our ministries that have been working in there have just seen a vibrant growing church, especially over the last decade. And Ukraine has been hungry for the gospel and hungry for the hope that the gospel brings. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, it was a story that a couple of years ago was the break of the Ukraine Orthodox Church from the Russian Orthodox Church. And that was seen as Putin kind of 
wielding some soft power there, trying to control Ukraine through the church. It wouldn't let it. And that should have been a precursor to what I didn't think he would be doing, but it should have been the red flag that he was, if he he couldn't get the church, he was going to get the country. Um, And that's what appears what happened. Yeah, it it may be part of that that led into that. I know that the Ukrainian ministries that we work with and our partners work with, they've had a great cooperation from the Ukrainian government. So they've been able to work in a number of areas. And I said, open orphanage, open schools. Uh, Churches have had a lot of freedom to be able to proclaim the gospel. So we know on that end, it's worked very well. So let's get to the convention itself, because I know we're focusing on you. We've been focusing on Ukraine, but there are just global, cultural, local issues that are facing every Christian in America and really in the country. I mean, in the world, but in America, um, you know, one of the things that um, I talk about with David Curry is, of course, the world watch list and the the countries, the top 50 countries where it is most dangerous to be a Christian, the persecutions. And of course, you've got imprisonment and death and torture and all of those things that are the worst of case scenarios of persecution. But in Western countries, the persecution is, is, on, is on a more subtle level. It's always legal. Um, it is almost, it's this cultural push. Um, if there's a theme at the convention this year, what is the overall kind of umbrella theme? You know, the the overall theme, and I think you, you really hit it right there. You know, we've dealt with persecution for around the world for a number of years. We know in many of the communist countries, the dictator countries, countries that are dominated by other religions, uh, it is the most dangerous thing in the world to be a Christian. Uh, out there. And so those countries, we, we get that, we understand that a lot of it is state-sponsored persecution. But as you said, in the West, I think the biggest theme that we have right now is the freedom of religion and freedom of conscience. I think the theme at, for us at convention is this understanding that um, our liberties to be able to do what we've done for years are at risk. And so we're really talking a lot this year about the cancel culture and about the silence culture, the culture to silence the church or to silence religion. And how do you fight back against that? Because one of the things that came out of the pandemic and the shutdown and kids, you know, going to school from home is that parents got a, an earful and an eyeful of what they're actually teaching them and realize that, they're te- they're, the, that the kids are being indoctrinated into a secular kind of understanding worldview. So it didn't matter if they went to church for an hour on Sunday, what they were being taught five days a week during, during, the, the, in, during the school year was no match for it, for what they were doing. So how do you combat against that? Right, exactly. And there's a, a couple of major movements going on. We've talked about this for a, a long time. We've worried about what kids are being taught, young adults are being taught in, in, in upper academia when they go to college. But that's really, I think, that, as you said, there's been a, a sort of a, an enlightening. People have seen that that has moved down from colleges now into high schools, into middle schools, and all the way down into elementary schools. And so a major push that we've seen that's been going on is the homeschool movement push. 
push Mm -hmm. uh, and the movement that's going on from state to state to say, look, parents ought to have the choice of where their children are educated, whether they're educated at home, whether they're educated in private school, whether they're educated in public school. That's one of the major pushbacks that we're seeing right now is this idea across state and state. Parents need to have that choice. And, And the pandemic, in a sense, the good side of it, as you said, was people are sort of waking up, understanding all of these things that were going on. The church can only meet kids for so long. If we meet them only on Sundays or Sunday nights or Wednesdays night in a youth program, Meanwhile, at school, they're being taught all of these anti-Christian, sort of even uh, uh, anti-patriotic ideologies um, that are dominating them. And they turn around and that's reinforced over and over and over again on social media. Wow. One of the things that one of the um, speakers or groups that are going to be there is the Alliance Defending Freedom. And Alliance Defending Freedom is a legal organization that has defended so many Christians or just religious people against this onslaught of, of this sort of secular humanism that has been really this, you know, has defined our legal system. You know, that's the standard, which is not recognized as a religious viewpoint. But if you understand theology, you understand religion, that's what it is. And I, one of the cases that um, has really scared a lot of Christians is this case of the Finnish um, um, member of parliament, Paivi Resinen, um, who, who was on the program uh, a few weeks ago, talking about her case, that she's under trial for basically expressing viewpoints that are in the Bible. I mean, quoting the Bible. What is? How do you defend against something like that? And how do you see Alliance Defending Freedom trying to push back against this? And are they going to need more help? They're definitely going to need more help. I mean, they're doing a great job. Their international outreach uh, for religious freedom does a great job. Of course, as you said, they're helping in that case over in in Finland. I I think the biggest thing that has to be pushed back has to start step one is people have to not take it anymore. People have to be bold enough to stand up and say enough is enough. We've had too much of people just letting the government come in and say, well, you can't do that. You can't talk about this. You can't do that in the public square. And people just say, okay, we need people to stand up and say, no, that's not okay. That's the first step of pushing back. And I think we're seeing more and more of that people today say, no, I I have rights. I, I have the right to an opinion. I have the right to my religious beliefs. I have the right to conscience to say and do what I feel is necessary for me to live and walk out my faith. That's the first step that people really have to do. And we need to see a lot more people doing that. Wonderful. Um, Let's take a break right now on uh, Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We're going to be talking with uh, Troy Miller some more things about what the NRB is doing, the National Religious Broadcasters are doing. We'll be right back. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. And we are back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with uh, Troy Miller. He is the um, CEO of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, really talking about the overall full gamut of things that are happening at the convention because there's as we've been talking about, there's never been a challenge to traditional views, traditional ideas, uh, Christianity, um, as much as it is right now. Um, if you, you know, take out, you know, the early uh, persecution of the churches, church where they were actually, you know, throwing Christians to the lions, this time, I think, is probably the most challenging. One of the things we talked about before um, the break is the legal system mounting against um, the Christian viewpoints. And, and Alliance Defending Freedom is... Um, and another Pacific Justice System, um, Institute is also doing this. Well, there are other um, legal systems, but 
In particular, we noticed probably even a decade ago, if not more, that a lot of the uh, secular groups, Freedom from Faith, I think uh, that group out of Wisconsin, targeted sort of small size school districts for legal challenges against things like prayer in school or prayer groups or praying on a at a school board meeting or praying in the in the uh, the coach praying this began as a almost a tactic because these school districts couldn't fight back because legally it was it was too much money to take on a legal challenge even if they were going to win and even if they were in the right has that changed at all do you know I think it has changed in the sense that you, when you push people so far, you can only push them so far. Um, there are unfortunately a number of school districts today that are still being intimidated by uh, these groups like the Southern Law and Poverty Society and the ACLU and many of these other groups out there. They're still intimidating these school districts. A lot of these school districts don't even know what their rights are and a lot of students don't know what their rights are. But groups like ADF and Pacific Justice and uh, ACLJ and just a litany uh, of, of uh, legal groups out there are out there with help and with aid, and they can uh, help you find out what your rights are. You don't really have to just kowtow and cowardice to these uh, groups that are pushing back. You need to reach out and say, hey, I have rights as well. And they are taking cases to the courts, and they are winning cases in the courts. So, it's a, again, it's a matter of if we're willing to stand up for our faith and stand up for what we believe in. Yeah, well, one of the things, one of the catchphrases that starts to make school boards quake in their boots is the phrase, the separation of church and state. And this is one of those blanket statements that almost make teachers and school districts um, cancel themselves because they're so afraid of the lawsuit. How do you get out the message of what church and state separation actually means and say, you know, you've, you've, you've got to be stronger in this. You've got to understand what you're really up against. Yeah. And that's why Christian communications and broadcasting is so important. Christian radio, Christian television, why these ministries that are out there uh, reaching people to get this message out and why the, the, the left and the other side really wants to silence these messages and silence that because we have to get that communicated. We're doing a lot of that now through social media, through sort of today's mainstream broadcasting out there. Uh, but again, all these organizations, ADF and ACLJ and all these folks are out there, they have that information uh, it's a matter of reaching out to it. Another thing we need to do is we need to have a lot more pastors in the pulpit um, at the local level talking about this and telling uh, folks what their rights are. And then, as we always do, we need to encourage Christians to get involved in the culture. Run for your local school board. Run for your local commissioners. Run for local politicians and political appointments uh, in your district so that your views and our views can be heard. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the things that we're finding in this 21st century culture um, is that, you know, 50 years ago or more, like David W. Miller talks about when he, and prints it in his book and talks about that, you know, we were basically breathing the air of Christianity. We were, we were accepting that certain Christian views were just normal, right? And so right. until they – and then they were challenged, you know, no one really kind of understood why, you know, how to, how to push back against it because – you know, well, you don't do this. Well, why don't you? Do, why don't you do that? Because that's never the way it's been. They didn't really have, they couldn't articulate why they believed what they believed. And so, you're. I think the pastor church element, I think, has the strongest 
ability at this point, I mean, if people go to church, I mean, that I think that's another issue right there, you know, to strengthen the churches, right? Sure, sure. As I said, what you were talking about, we live in a culture that's really changed its kind of view on on what it means to be a Christian. You know, when I uh, graduated high school and got out of the Navy, you know, one of the things we went through a class, they said, you know, you put your resume together, you'd put your personal interests at the bottom of the resume. And one of the things you'd put is your membership in a church. And that was considered a very positive thing. You know, employers would look at that and say, oh, this is a this is a really good person in the community. Well, today, if you put that together today on a resume, none of the top 1,000 companies would get, you would get past their HR screening. That would immediately just knock you out of the list. So that's a kind of cultural sort of shift that we've had um, in the, say, past 40 or 50 years. Um, and it's even really accelerated in the last two decades. I think we've just seen that really go on hyperdrive, especially with the, the, the change of all the gender confusion and the LGBTQ issues that are going on in the culture today. We've just seen that really um, move forward. And so, you're right. The local pastors and people in churches uh, to understand their rights, to understand what they can do. That's where a lot of this is at. And our national groups, many of the groups at, at NRB, many of our memberships are working at that local level, but they're also working at the national level. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the most powerful things in the Christian community can be the film industry, film and TV, right. the stories, because that's where I think a lot of the a lot of the young people actually get their theology, unfortunately, but you can turn it to your advantage. One of the things that, you know, I don't know when Dan Brown's book came out, um, The Da Vinci Code, I don't know, 15 years ago, I guess it was. I don't know what it is. But the fact that it sold millions and millions, millions of copies, and many Christians read it, who were nominal Christians, and they, even though it was fiction, really believed it, really believed right. it as fact. And that kind of thing can really... It hurts the church because there's so many that don't know. How can the film bolster the film industry to actually produce really great films that are true to the gospel? Well, look, I think the Christian film industry is doing just a lot better. They're doing tremendous. There's a number of films coming out um, to tell better stories. You know, film is all about good stories, good character, uh, good cinematography and those things. And I think the Christian industry has really upped its game and to sort of tell those kinds of, uh, of stories. But a lot of other things are going on, too, in that area. You know, sometimes when those secular films come out, uh, the one I saw recently, The Eternals, and it shows this kind of different view of career and different view of mankind and where we came from, you know, that also spawns a lot of chance to have discussions. And a lot of the other ministries that we're seeing flourishing today are our apologetics ministries. Many that are out there defending the gospel and talking about cultural issues in science and science fiction and all these things. You know, the, the interesting thing in all the ministries I talk to today, the under 40 age is the most hungry age to hear the, the truth of the scriptures or to hear the scriptures or to hear what the Bible really says. What does the Bible really say rather than what society has told us it says? Yeah, I think that it, I cringe sometimes when I watch films and I, I really love watching films. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the favorites from, you know, the Christian worldview would be Ben-Hur and uh, the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments. And but they don't know. I think what I was a little bit disconcerted because TCM put on Ben-Hur at Christmas time. I said, do you understand this is more of an Easter film? You under And who would why wouldn't they know that? And it just shows the sort of you know, spiritual theological ignorance of the people running these multi, multi, multi billion dollar companies, you know? 
No, exactly. You know, Ben Hur, as you said, that's that's been an Easter stable forever. The greatest story ever told uh, was another story to tell you about the 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 life of Christ, Barabbas. All of these stories that kind of brought the gospel to life, and I think Hollywood's lost it today. They don't understand, at least they don't understand the connection between the gospel and what people in the church really believe and really understand, and they're very naive about that. Yeah, I mean, I used to call vintage Disney. It's like, you know, vintage Disney really had, <laughs> you know, really at revered faith, even though they they had, they had found it very hard to actually say the name of Jesus, even when they had a Christian minister up there, but it, at least they revered faith. There was something about faith that was powerful and that people understood. Um, can we ever get back there? You know, I, you know. Look, the the gospel is a very powerful message. You know, the the scriptures tell us that the word of God cuts to bone and marrow. You know, and it tells us the gates of hell won't stand against it. So, so our call is to continue what we're doing in the culture. I think we can get back there, but we're not going to get back to this sort of same moralistic kind of gospel. Today, we're getting to a more true gospel where people are really understanding that their faith in Christ has to live out. It can't just be an insurance card in your pocketbook that you can pull out one day. It has to be a relationship that is lived out in the culture and in the community day in and day out. And that's what's going to get us back there. And we're not going to get there alone. We have to do it with the, with the, again, with the pastors. We have to do it with the local church. We have to do it with the parachurches, national church ministries. It's going to take us all working together. Absolutely. Troy Miller, CEO National Religious Broadcasters, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast and uh, and doing a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today and look forward to seeing you next week. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. And yes, after this, we I will actually be uh, uh, broadcasting from NRB. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.